Hi everyone, welcome to Just Like Other Girls, a podcast where we discuss things that matter to us, things that don't, and a bunch of stuff in between. I'm Shandy. I'm Alicia. And today, we would like to share with you 20 things that we've learned before we turn 20. Two things we want to address first. If you're watching this on YouTube, you'll notice that the two of us are doing a Zoom format, which is different. And that's because, firstly, school has started for the both of us, and it's getting a little bit hard to film in real life at Shandy's house. But secondly, COVID restrictions have just gotten a little bit harsher, so we figured we should practice a bit of safe distancing as well. As for what we're doing today, 20 things before we turn 20. Uh, this episode will be split up into two parts, so today we'll cover 10 things, 5-5, five, five, both for me and Shandy. And then next week, for the ninth and second last episode of the podcast, we'll be doing the last 10 things. Yeah, so for this episode, we actually didn't discuss beforehand what we are going to tell you guys. Yeah, so it will be a surprise for both Alicia and I too. And we'll go with the discussion along the way through our podcast. The first thing that I think I've learned before I turn 20 would be that it's okay not to have a meaning for everything. Basically, I think that learning about yourself is a life process but people are often pressured to fulfill that in their youth. I feel that since I was a kid, I've always been taught to find an identity, find a trait to be good at, find meaning in every single thing that's part of my life. And it's tiring when there's this pressure to find something that comes natural to you as soon as possible. Yeah, and it's as if it's necessary to accelerate our process to find meaning. So to me, one thing I realized before turning 20 is that it is okay to not find meaning in everything, or at least not dwell onto something. And I just feel that especially since we are still young and we're going to be young for a long period of time, we can afford to discover ourselves at our own pace. Yeah, definitely. I think like I heard a quote or I heard someone say a while back that you never fully find yourself because you are never stagnant. I was thinking about this the other day and I realized that if I assign a meaning to everything or if I think that everything that happens is for a greater reason, I just make myself miserable. <laughs> because then I go into everything with the expectation that whatever happens is contributing to something. When in reality, maybe that's just how it is. I need to move on. <laughs> Yeah, I think a lot of our stress, especially as youth, come from trying to find ourselves and having this pressure by everyone else to finish discovering ourselves before we turn into adults. And I'm just thinking like, is it really necessary to be able to find an answer to every single thing in your life at the age of 30 when you just started being an adult? What you think is your identity at 30 might change at 50, 60, 70. If you put too much meaning into the person you are at 30, you might not grow. No, yeah, that's real though. I don't see much value in putting stake in who you are as opposed to like who you are right now. Okay, so moving on. My first thing is, let me ask you a question first. You know the concept of like the wardrobe staple? Yeah, I guess it would be what you wear often. Is, is that it? Yeah. Yeah. So there are a lot of videos on YouTube about like, these are the wardrobe staples you need to invest in. For example, I need a denim jacket, a good pair of denim shorts and jeans, a white t-shirt, a black t-shirt, stuff like that. Have you heard that? Yeah, of course. Yeah, my first thing is just wardrobe staples don't exist. I don't think they exist for everyone. I invested money on what I thought was a wardrobe staple. I got myself not one, not two, 
I think at my height, I had like three denim jackets, which I never wore. So my main point is just that everyone like creates their own staples. And I got so caught up in finding the conventional staples. So like denim jacket and shorts that I never considered if I was actually going to wear them. And then eventually when I entered poly, my style evolved out of those entirely. And I realized that I was never going to have a denim jacket be a staple in my wardrobe. As opposed to, if you're on YouTube, I have this flannel behind me. This is a staple for me. My point is just, no one staple, quote-unquote staple, works for everybody. And everybody makes their own staples. Yeah, I agree. Until now, I don't have a plain black shirt. I think I do, but I don't even reach out for it. That's the thing. I don't even remember if I have one. Even our wardrobe doesn't stay stagnant and the same as we grow. Actually, that reminds me, you've mentioned you are currently creating a capsule wardrobe. Yeah. How do you determine what's the pieces that you'll put in your capsule wardrobe now? At this moment, I no longer have a capsule wardrobe. While most of my stuff was in storage, I had a 20-piece capsule wardrobe. I didn't put in any of the quote-unquote staples. Like, I have a pair of black jeans, I have a white t-shirt. I didn't put any of those in there. Instead, I put in stuff that I already knew I wore a lot. Actually, most of the episodes that we have filmed thus far were during the time when I had the capsule wardrobe. I just chose the pieces that I liked the most, I wore the most, and that went with the most of my pieces. That was it. Well, actually, I had a different second point. But since you were talking about fashion, I'm just going to go on with the theme. <laughs> Basically, I want to talk about how trends are more like fads. According to the internet, <laughs> a fad is an intense and widely shared enthusiasm for something, especially one that is short-lived. The key point here is that a fad is short-lived. Fashion is ever-changing. I think in one of the episodes you mentioned, every 20 years, a fashion trend comes back. I think it's called a fashion cycle, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, 20 years, so, but now it's closer to 10 years because of the rate of fast fashion and the internet. This was exactly the point I want to bring across because it's really easy to create a trend because the period of people being obsessed with this certain thing become shorter and shorter and people are always looking for newer things. Is there a loss in individualism when we constantly chase these trends? Interesting. I didn't think that was the point you were going to bring across. I thought the point you were going to bring up is how like once they go out of style, I automatically don't want to wear the piece anymore. But yeah, I definitely get that word. It's like if everyone participates in the same trend, are you embracing your style or are you embracing what's in right now? Which is not a bad thing, but I definitely feel like it leaves the piece like high and dry once you no longer have any use for it and the trend goes out of style. And also there's this thing about, I guess, mob culture as well. We want to fit in naturally. There's just this blur of what is individualism anymore. But this comes in a lot of different aspects, not just fashion, even though I brought it up as an example. It causes a strain in our finances. And is it really worth it to keep up with such trends if it puts a strain onto your finances as well? Yeah, that's just the point I want to bring across. To wrap this point up, I would say something I've learned is that trends are always changing. I would rather have things that are versatile and could probably keep me for a long run for any trend that's about to come. As a last point, actually, that I thought of before we move on, a bunch of things come in and out of fashion. But I guess if you create your own look and your own style, that seem a lot more long-lasting. 
the trend. The fourth point of this episode, and my second point is, everyone's an a-hole. Wow. Hear me out, hear me out. I'm not on Reddit a lot, but every time I go on my Instagram Explore page, there's like a whole list of posts of screenshots from the subreddit, am I the a-hole? The subreddit is all about posting about situations where you might have done something wrong or where other people are treating you like you did something wrong. And then you ask all of Reddit, was I the a-hole in this situation? I never really understood why people are so divided on there. Really, there are all these acronyms like YTA, you're the a-hole, NTA, not the a-hole, ESH, everyone sucks here. All the people just start their replies with that and then they explain why. And I could always see where they were coming from, but I never understood the full scope of it until last week I actually posted my own. I was going through something with a friend and I genuinely didn't know if I was like the bad guy in the situation, so I posted it. And because it was my experience and I was so intimately like aware of it, right? Having all these responses come in, mostly not the a-hole, but I got a couple of everyone sucks here. I realized like, it's kind of astonishing how everyone sees the same situation from a different perspective, right? I saw some replies where people saw the same small little details, but they found different issues with them. And it made me realize like how nuanced every single person's perspective is and how in that vein, I can't judge them because of their answers even if they disagree with each other in the comments or if they disagree with my point, that doesn't mean that like based off of their own life experiences and the perspective that they've created, I cannot say that they are wrong. So yeah, I realized that I can't judge them based purely off of their answers because I don't know them and I don't know the perspective they're coming from. Hearing all these nuanced perspectives made me realize that everyone could be an a-hole in their own right but only because of the way they see themselves and the way they see others. And even if you don't think you might be one, someone else might think you are. Yeah, actually, I feel the same way. I think if you weren't going to bring it up, I was going to anyway. <laughs> Everyone has different experiences in life. Um, everyone's going to see things differently. But not necessarily every time you think you're right, you're right, or you're wrong, you're wrong. Yeah, I just think it'll be good if we don't focus too much on our own perspectives also. Actually, yeah, you bring up a very good point about how people see things the way they want to see them. That's another thing where like certain things, no matter how small, can set people off. Sometimes just no matter how you say something, people could still have slightly different interpretations of that based off of how they already think. Yeah, definitely. Bring up a good point. Yeah, my next point is actually quite similar, I guess. But differences and perspectives exist for everyone. What I'm trying to say is that everyone has different experiences, different backgrounds. We are all raised differently. We need to try to understand how other people feel and see things in their shoes. You cannot please every single person in the world. And that's totally okay. Dwelling on the things and trying to achieve the impossible aka pleasing everyone, making everyone happy, or making everyone like you, there's not much meaning to it. And at the end of the day, is that going to create a meaningful connection between you and that person? So I guess in general, I would say that what I've learned is to be more empathetic and try not to judge people for their circumstances. Sometimes I do feel this way. If a person did a stereotypically bad thing, 
does it necessarily make them a bad person? At the end of the day, we make our own choices. Other people too, they make their own choices. If you think you just can't overcome your differences with them, it's totally fine to not please them or not pursue this relationship with them. I think you can find more meaningful connections. But in general, I would say to sustain healthy relationships, especially when you are working with people, it's difficult to find people that have the exact same mindsets or thinking as you. Rather than trying to make everyone think the same way as you, why not try to take the first step and be more understanding towards them instead? Yeah, and what's interesting is you mentioned how you don't need to make a meaningful connection with everyone, but I thought you were going to say you might try to make a meaningful connection with everyone, but is that meaningful to you also? Because one interesting thing about wanting to get along with or wanting to please everybody is also if you try to please everybody or you try to be everybody's friend, can you be happy? I'm I'm being a little bit facetious here, a bit dramatic, but you talking about this has made me wonder if trying to be everybody's friend it is possible i would say because i try to do it a lot but it does make me wonder if you are putting other people before yourself if you start doing that i think there's a stigma that you can't cut people off or it's a bad reflection on yourself if you cut people off because you cannot overcome your differences with them i think it's totally fine people come and go you're gonna live a long life hopefully everyone lives a long life it's impossible to keep every single person in your life and not every disconnection or like stray in relationship mean you have done something wrong or it's a bad reflection on yourself. I think it's just natural. So I just learned that differences and perspectives exist and we shouldn't ignore them. Funnily enough, that ties into my next point. Well, we, we really seem to just be on the same wavelength today. But my next point is about how the world is always expanding. And I don't mean this literally. I mean like your view of the world. You and I are both still quite young. We were kids not too long ago. One thing I've been struggling with recently, but I think just probably most people struggle with is that as you grow up, your problems seem a lot smaller. They start to shrink because the world seems to get bigger and you become more aware of like bigger issues or other people's issues. And so I had to transition out of thinking that everyone had to care how I felt. Because obviously when you're like seven and you fall down, everyone in your vicinity cares very deeply that you get better, that you get like a plaster or something like that. So for me now, it feels more important to find a balance between like expressing myself, but also understanding others, which I think ties back to what you said just now. So my point would be, the world will always feel like it's getting bigger and you are getting smaller. And that's not like a negative reflection on yourself. That's just how it is and you have to start learning. Well, I had to start learning how to juggle that. Okay, yeah, your point actually reminded me of something that I've written before. I did a movie review for my personal portfolio on the movie Lady Bird. To summarize this quickly, Lady Bird is a coming-of-age film about this teenage girl and her journey to becoming an adult and her relationship with several people, including her mother. Her mother is always stressed about the family, always stressed about finances. All these seem like big adult problems. And in the movie, the main character, Lady Bird's problem throughout the entire movie until the end was about her boy problems or it would be about her wanting to leave 
leave her city when she's aware that her family doesn't have the financial means to do so. And when we compare these two problems at a glance, we would think that Ladybird has a really materialistic or very shallow view on things. But I have this theory that if the gravity of problems were directly proportional to age, both the mother and Ladybird might be actually experiencing the same level of sad or angstiness. Yeah. Yeah. Because to me, like what I understand from Ladybird as a teenage girl myself is that sometimes this all these boy problems, all this wanting to leave the city, all this struggling with puberty is all that we know at the age. Oh yeah, right? for sure, for sure. I would say as we grow older, I wouldn't want to diminish other youth problems like that. No, actually, yeah, that brings up a great point. There's this narrative that thankfully is becoming very popular now about how you cannot compare people's pain and their issues. I really like what you said about like scaling people's pain or their problems proportional to how old they are. Like I brought up falling down when you're seven years old. And when you think about it, right? A lot of the media that we consume is about like your first heartbreak, your first whatever, right? And I feel like there's a reason for that. I don't know. Maybe I'm going on a tangent, but there's such a huge emphasis placed on firsts because that's the first time you're going through it. That's the worst time, right? You would think so, at least. One thing I've been thinking about recently, for a while actually, is how all the things that like shattered my worldview, that mind blew me when I was in primary school, it's just like part of the daily grind now. But I'm sure similarly, the first time when I have to, I don't know, buy a house or the first time I get into a serious relationship, the struggles I have then will probably be the worst and the most confusing because once I've experienced it one time, it slowly gets easier over time, right? I think all these ties into our previous point as well where we have different perspectives on things. What may hurt us may not hurt someone else. So yeah, in general, I agree with you. Just be more empathetic. I guess that's what we both learned my next lesson that I've learned is that it is important to appreciate. I mean this really broadly, but I guess I just want to say we should appreciate what we own and what we have. This could be like appreciating your friends or maybe your bus rides to school. As embarrassing as it may sound, I still reminisce about my secondary school days with my friends. Whenever we meet up, all we can talk about is our secondary school days. When, when I think about those times, I really wish that I had lived a more fulfilling secondary school life because at that time, I was always like, I want to graduate. I want to be a poly student now. But now that I'm a poly student, I cannot find the same fun and energy as per that period of time when I was in secondary school. I think the point I want to bring up is that you cannot relieve a moment. Yeah, it's a great point that like you can't relieve anything. And I hate to bring up the most 2014 phrase of all time, but you really only do live once. But the moments do pass you by. Like, I was in the same boat where when I was 15, 16, I was like, oh man, I'm going to be so grown up and so cool once I enter poly. And now that I'm in poly, I was like, oh man, I wish I had spent more time really appreciating my childhood and how carefree I was in secondary school. I guess it does come back to the previous point where everything you experience, you experience it the first time and that's the worst time. But being in secondary school only once you think, oh man, this sucks. I am so stressed and I will never be this stressed ever again. But then you grow up and like, oh, I see. Everyone is stressed. And you just get like the first real inklings of that in secondary school, I feel. 
Okay, actually, I have a question for you because I hmm? remembered something that <laughs> my secondary school teacher asked me. Basically, she asked, would you rather experience a moment? Like, for example, if you see this very beautiful scenery, would you spare that one minute to look at it with your eyes or would you take out your phone camera and snap a picture of it and leave a memory? If I'm only allowed to do one, I hate to say it, I would probably take a photo. I guess it's relative to my situation now. If my phone were crappier, I'd probably just stand there and admire the sunset. As it is now, I also know that if I take a photo, I can share it with other people who might not have gotten to see it. I mean, even now, I don't have an answer for it. I think it's very circumstantial. But she did bring up the point that once you chose to take your phone out, your eyes will not be able to capture that moment. Because when you take that picture, you're seeing it through a lens. So like, if you have one minute to look at something and you spend 10 seconds taking a photo, those are 10 seconds you have lost to just look at the thing. Yeah, yeah, like I said just now, I don't have an answer for it. It's very circumstantial. Okay, my fourth point is there's no such thing as growing out of it. What media you consume as a child shapes how you think and what you like growing up. I spent so long liking quote-unquote cringy things in my early teens. And now, a year before I leave the teens entirely, I'm like, oh man, those are not going to leave me. Yeah, sure, maybe you could gradually grow out of it. But what I've realized as a semi-adult is that if you enjoy it, you're not going to grow out of it unless you stop enjoying it. That's my point. Yeah, there's no need to force yourself to stop enjoying something. Just because other people think that it's cringy or whatever. All of that brings you to the point you are today. If the child you didn't enjoy such things, if the child you didn't experience certain things, you wouldn't have been who you are today. And it's quite interesting seeing this through a 19-year-old lens. Because definitely, like, even the adults I interact with, like, honestly, I can say that the adults I've met who seem to be having the best time of adulthood are the ones who still know how to act like kids. Okay, we have come to my last point now. Yay! Yay! Um, my last point is more realistic. It is financial literacy is the key. I think Alicia knows that I don't think I'm financially literate like that, but I really do prioritize saving. You are definitely yeah. financially aware, yes. At some point, we all have to stop getting allowance from our parents and I don't want to be thrown like into the deep end of the ocean out of nowhere so I'm just preparing myself and I think it's just a step-by-step thing that would eventually go into a habit that will help me in the future. I think definitely that's a skill I learned very late in life. Talking about finances especially when you're not very financially literate is definitely quite stressful because even as you were talking I was like oh man this is a bummer topic. But you are right. It's only a bummer topic for me because I'm not very good at it yet. But I'm getting there. Definitely, I would say this is a very realistic lesson that everyone has to learn. Like, enjoy the things you like as a kid, but learn grown-up skills. Yeah. I think I was always of the impression that, oh, that's a thing grown-ups do. Wrong. I should have been doing it like you. I should have been doing it for a very long time and I just wasn't. That's still a lesson I'm learning now, for sure. I'm glad you brought it up. I hope me mentioning this wouldn't pressure... um, people into feeling like they aren't doing good enough right now yeah I just think that everyone has their own pace but I guess me mentioning it is just to serve as a reminder that eventually you have to do it so why not start now and from my own personal experience I think that starting early is always good you're right 
where like at least just purely technically if you start saving younger you will have more money when you grow up that's just a fact but more importantly it's about the habit similarly to a lot of things in life you don't just get good at something you form the habit and then as trends change or in today's climate i guess as bitcoin becomes more and more popular inexplicably and it seems like everyone's investing in stocks you change with the times and then you roll with the punches finances for a lot of people are not the easiest thing to pick up but you're right it's definitely something everyone at some point needs to know how to handle on to the final point of the day i mean you'll see 10 more next week but my last point for today is cringe culture is not real and i realized this after i grew out of some very i would say toxic mindsets when one direction was a thing everyone thought they were cringe everyone still thinks justin bieber is cringe but especially when he was a kid people think for example five nights at freddy's is cringe k-pop is cringe you could throw the word cringe onto anything it's just kind of insulting right what i realized though and i only realized this i would say late last year or when I was well into my late teens is that participating in cringe culture is just an excuse to be mean. Uh, this is just from my perspective, of course. But when I think about it, anyone who has ever told me or if I have ever told anyone that the thing that they like is cringy, I'm just devaluing the things that they like. And if we come back to all our previous points about what you grew up with and everyone having different perspectives, you are just demeaning someone and what they enjoy. I don't know. Looking at it now, it just makes me so sad <laughs> that I spent so many years thinking, oh no, I'm never going to listen or watch XXX because it's cringy and only a certain kind of person does that. No. I feel like I'm at the point where my opinion is just if you enjoy it and it isn't hurting anyone, keep enjoying it. And right now, the lesson I would like to impart before I turn 20 is that I refuse to participate in cringe culture and I hope you don't either. <laughs> okay, but I would have to say that I do enjoy Cody Ko's series on YouTube called That's Cringe. <laughs> yeah, I do think that a big part of cringe culture is putting other people down and putting what they like down. And I would say that the theory of if someone cannot change something in five minutes, then don't tell them applies to this as well. Why tell them and make them feel bad about what they like? Oh, yeah. Another thing, yeah, another thing I would like to mention, back to the Cody Cole and Noel Miller series because I'm very passionate about that. Um, They have this series called That's Cringe on YouTube. Do you know about that? Yes, I, I've seen a few of them I recommended before. Okay, I think that is sort of different in the sense that they are actually doing commentary. They are commenting on... <laughs> I want to say serious issues as opposed to in daily life when you make a comment like oh you like you like K-pop that's so cringe like, why do you do that or something like that theirs is more dissecting I guess, being, the issue yeah being more critical about a bigger picture like definitely my main issue with cringe culture apart from the fact that usually it's tearing down things people genuinely enjoy and seem harmless it's the fact that usually it starts and ends there. If someone told me, ooh, K-pop is so cringe, why do you like it? Like, immediately I'll get defensive. But also, if it's something that's, I don't know, relatively harmless, let's say watching anime, right? I don't really see anything wrong with watching anime. And so, I don't see why you would want to shoot someone down for liking it. But if it's something like, Let's bring up the example of Jake Paul, right? If you're commenting on a serious issue, it's not calling something cringe 
for me at least, it's calling out an issue. If I were to call out Jake Paul, I would not say, oh, watching him is so cringy and he's for kids. Even though I do believe he's technically classified under kids' content, I would say, I would probably mention how he does seem like a genuinely bad influence on the people that watch him, right? I guess that's my main point. If you would like to criticize something, comment on why. Don't just start and stop with making the person feel bad about what they like. Yeah, I totally agree with this. It's a very easy word to throw out. Oh yeah, for sure. I realize any little thing that annoys you or irritates you, you would just say, oh, that's so cringe. Like, yeah. Or like something that just doesn't align with you. I don't think any of us has the right to put someone down yeah. because of our own perspective. I guess, yeah, the main thing we seem to have taken away from today is just how not everything or everyone has to conform or see eye to eye with the things you like and dislike. If you like it and it doesn't hurt anyone, how could it be childish or dumb? It's something you're passionate about. Yeah. Yeah. So with that, that was 10 out of the 20 things that we have learned before turning 20. Do you have anything else? No. Well, um, if there's nothing else, then I guess we should wrap up for today. Thank you, everybody, so much for watching, whether it's on YouTube or Spotify. We hope that this new format isn't too jarring. But more specifically, I hope this audio won't be too hard to wrangle with when I'm editing. Next week is our second last episode. We actually planned this series to be a 10-episode thing because of time constraints and our schoolwork. We hope that as this is coming to the end, y'all have found this series interesting enough and you would stay tuned for the last two episodes. Yeah, Shandy and I have gotten honestly a lot more feedback than we thought we would have. It might be a bit early to say this, but we really are very thankful for all of you for being here. And we will see you in the next and second last episode of the series. Bye! Bye!